Brothers. Welcome to the one within all to another episode of the Interverse podcast. I'm your host, Chance. And as this week, we have passed over the solstice into the days of summer with all the appropriate occult ritual submarines and alchemical echoes of monetary resets to come. It feels all too appropriate to welcome our returning guest and the world's premier homologist, Juan Ayala, back to the show. Our great community of researchers in the audience will no doubt have discerned through their studies of the occult that the mystery of mysteries is all wrapped up in the most elegant of simplicity, by which I mean the pole and the hole, the phallus and the yoni, the masculine and feminine generative powers. But what if we could create without them? (laughs) There is indeed nothing more sublime than the contemplation of macrocosmic conception and the origin of our species. And despite the microcosm of human baby making being a required component of all of our existences here, the question of what happens and how it works when a baby comes into the world are still shrouded in our foggy windows of perception. This supreme riddle of all ages is symbolized in every single mythological system, with pretty much all symbolism eventually boiling down to this one and zero binary of our private parts. But the mechanism in the macro through which humankind came to incarnate in the beginning has seemingly eluded man since time immemorial. Or has it? That's where one podcaster and researcher you know and love comes into the story as our fringe fanatic friend Juan Ayala Ayala has been tirelessly transcribing old-timey texts and analyzing ancient alchemical artwork in an attempt to decipher the details of DIY life in a jar, also known as the homunculus. You may have heard the term and seen a sketch or two of the tiny man in a flask, but tonight's conversation just might surprise you, as Juan's research has dug up references indicating that there's a great deal more to the story beyond artificial births through the rectums of demons. (laughs) (laughs) Is it purely allegorical or is it real? The subject of the homunculus is the study of the conditions in which life may just spontaneously generate as maggots appear on rotting meat and perhaps bees may manifest out of the corpse of a bull. Are the lords of the seculum, the great kings and teachers said to have been delivered of a virgin as the firstborn of the first cause actually homunculi? Did ancient alchemists have a spiritual AI-like ritual that allowed them to ask questions of higher powers? Buckle up and prepare yourself, because when we have Juan on, you know it's going to get weird. And I got to just say, uh, 
very, very, very happy to be talking to you again, buddy. It's been kind of a while, but I've kept an eye on what you've been doing over on the one-on-one podcast. Totally crushing, man. One of the most hardworking hustlers in the game. And I'm just super glad that we get to hang out again. So everybody make sure and check the show notes for a link to his website. There's so many things that he's been producing and making happen that I'll just let him promote his stuff. But buddy, welcome back to the universe. It's a hell of an intro, Chance. Thank you so much, bro. I'm glad to be here. It's been overdue. Yeah, we, we did a, an episode a while back, but I'm happy to be back. Happy to be doing this with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been a good uh, occasional pop in on the vibrance, but we got to make it happen more often. You know, we're just both, <laughs> we just both stay in the flow of making constant shows. So uh, let's mm-hmm. get each other's radar a little more. But man, um, let everybody know what kind of stuff maybe that uh, you have to promote besides just the podcast, because I know you're making books, comics, the whole nine. Yeah, the the latest of the bunch. This is hot off the press. If you want to learn how to make your own homunculus, you got the homunculus owner's manual. It's done by Paranoid American. All right, check him out as well. And it's the first ever little chiclet track, 100% unique art. And it goes through the... Again, it's it's it shows you the process where you have the magical sock there, the alchemical sock. You oh do stuff God. to the sock, and then bada bing, bada boom, you have your own little homunculus that's going to help you do anything. Really, it, it you know my favorite thing to do with my homunculus is make it cut the lawn, right? Mow the lawn there, and you can have it do anything. So check that out. It's on tjojp.com, and that's fresh off the press. I also have the Occultist Monday issues. I have the Chosen Juan. And then this month's issue of the Paranormality Magazine, the Florida's Homoncologist 2023 Florida edition. I did an exclusive interview for Paranormality. Make sure to use promo code TJOJP. I've been a little busy, bro, but again, it's part of the it's part of the game, man. Once you get in that that flow state, right? When you get in that flow state, you just start cranking stuff out. You stop really looking at numbers and you just start focusing on the quality of content that you put out. And the rest just kind of falls into place, right? The people who need to notice, notice, and the rest just happens. That's what I tell everybody who wants to get into content creation. Don't really focus so much on pumping so much stuff out, you know, put out quality. And the people will come, the people will show up, and the rest falls into place. And I feel like that's where I've been. I've just been in this void. I'm writing a book right now, doing all this good stuff at the same time while putting out content. That's the hardest part, right? Like juggling all these things at once but i think i'm doing it well and and i appreciate all my followers and everybody who's stuck with me since the beginning man yeah dude you're you're doing the quality and the quantity thing quite (laughs) quite a lot of stuff (laughs) uh so buddy maybe if you want to introduce why we're talking about this why you've been doing the research uh also, maybe let's shout out the mind unleashed channel and their 10-hour expose on unveiled Mind Unveiled, yes. Yep. Mind Unleashed is a different thing. <laughs> Mind Unveiled. The video Homunculus Unveiled, it was quite a journey, uh, 10 hours almost. Did you watch it? I did. I did. By the way, nice shirt, bro. I like that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that I had actually read the original script and then I, I actually watched the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, when people say, because people have to understand, it's not that I am consistently looking for the homunculus phenomenon and everything that I research, it just pops up. 
Right. So as a researcher, we all we all have our own thing. Right. Like Mario from Symbolic Studies has his North Pole symbolism. You can't let a good hole go to waste. Right. Poles and holes. So you have that whole thing. My thing is the homunculus. You have slick dissident with the placenta and all that stuff. Right? It might be placentas all the way down. Who knows? Right. Slick might be right. It might just be that. But we all have our own little niche stuff. And I, I stumbled across this thing. And when you really start to pick it apart. Not saying that it's that it's right. I made that mean. Not saying it's homunculus, but it's homunculus. You start to really see it in a lot of the different things that that I've researched. And as of recently, I mean, as of this past week, you have the idea of the artificial humans that are being constructed, like made. So now they've literally come out and said, "Hey, now we we don't know what to do because we artificially created this person." We know they've been cloning for forever. So now we get into the ethics of this, which history repeats itself. They were talking about the ethics back in the 14th, 15th century of like, hey, did God die for this homunculus's sin? Like, did he? And and they were arguing about it. I mean, they, they, they were, there were whole papers and books written about this subject. So it's funny that history does, you know, I always say it doesn't repeat itself. It often rhymes. And we see that here. And then the the bombshell of the latest UFO narrative disclosure that everyone talks about, how it's a it's a psyop, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, he bo- dropped the bombshell Greer about how the little the little gray men that have been doing the abductions in the in the UF, UFO lore are actually man made synthetic humanoids. And I was just like, wait a minute. You know, we have this news of the synthetic humans coming out. And now this dude's dropping that about the UFOs and the greys being man-made. But then there's another sect that, you know, is biological. Are they getting ready to drop on us that, you know, like some homunculus disclosure, some homunculus disclosure that, that I've been covering since like over a year now, right? Somebody told me like, were you doing a soft disclosure on the homunculus? I've gotten emails, bro, from people asking me. They believe that they are homunculi and they're asking me how, what to do about it. I go, hey, dude, I'm not your guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. But there's people who have emailed me telling me that they're homunculus and they're related to occult stuff. I mean, I, I can't even make this up. Like, this is an actual thing. People are emailing me about it. So it's like. It takes the whole NPC thing to a whole nother level, right? Because what if the world's a stage? What if you could just artificially create scapegoats and conduct your shenanigans? What then? You know what I mean? I mean, this gets into the realm of MK Ultra, Manchurian Candidate, the Ubermensch, Superman, you know, Moonchild, all this stuff. It gets into it goes into that realm because the technology has evolved since the beginning. And again, what I love about alchemy it's such a beautiful topic because it's you know it's physical, biological psychological and transcendental and so have your pick right the homunculus exists on various levels of existence quite literally and i was at the i was at dr narco longo's bookstore there and i was with professor longo and we were flipping through these alchemical books that he had there and we were just opening them up and looking at the art and i go man like why do i find alchemy so interesting it's such a psychedelic point in history like, what were these guys on the art that they were creating? 
Like, what are they trying to portray? The Philosopher's Stone, the Elixir of Life, right? The Magnum, like all these different concepts that seem so bizarre. But then the one thing that really reels you in, it's okay. So it's biological. So there might be a real sci-fi aspect to it. That's a, it's a real concept. But then there's the clear metaphysical concept, right? The psychological concept of it all, which I mean, I've covered before, but it just goes all over the place. And according to mainstream science or seance, whatever you want to call it, there is a homunculus. The, the collective parts in which your brain controls, they have a representation of that. And the representation of that is a homunculus. That's the literal medical term in neuroscience. So, oh, yeah, we, so there's a part of the brain that is called that. So the map, the, the cortex man that represents, that shows which part of your body, your brain controls the most, right? So it's, it's a little figure. You can pull it up the cortex, man. It's a little figure and it shows. So uh, by the size of the representation of the thing, so your mouth is bigger than your eyes or whatever, but everyone's homunculus is different though. That's the thing. So depending on your environment, your homunculus changes. So depending on how much more you use your left hand than your right hand, it's going to change the size of that homunculus, you know, the representation of your homunculus. So, and this is an actual medical term. And then it's linked also to traumas and all these other different things. Again, I'm not a neuroscientist. It's from what I've read, but it's linked to traumas and, and all these different things. And it makes me think of the movie Homunculus on Netflix. That was all about that. It was about people's traumas being attached to them. Those were the homunculus. And there was a guy. This is super interesting, man. I have not heard this angle. I actually saw these cortex man images Mm -hmm. when I was Googling homunculus. And I was like, what what is this? (laughs) I didn't realize this is a thing. So if I'm not mistaken, the way that your mental image of yourself works in terms of how you feel about your body rather than necessarily like how you would imagine yourself if you pictured yourself in your head, but like the functionality of your body, what parts you feel connected to with energy flow and what parts you feel disconnected to would create a different type of cortex man you're saying. So I just think this is interesting because in like biofield anatomy mm -hmm. theory and the tuning Mm -hmm. stuff I do for people, I can already kind of see how, I work with people all the time where even though they might look like they have a normal whole body, right? Their mental image of their body unconsciously in their energy field, they might have like a a withered left leg, you know, or some part of themselves that is not really fully energized with life force or the flow is messed up there or they're not using it properly or, you know, there's distortions in there's mental distortions in their self image that. constitute Mm -hmm. a lack of full energy flow and full life force accessibility. And I did not know that we could actually pertain the homunculus concept to that, but it makes sense. It's like your, cause there's a big aspect of all this alchemy that has to do with the image, the mirror, you know, the mental image projecting a mental image. So, so that's a, that's a wild one. Yeah. And, and also I've heard it before the, the, the Taoists, I mean, this goes back, you know, one of some of the oldest, oldest religions, the Taoists, they believe that, right, you were connected astrally to this representation of yourself. So the astral homunculus and the Picatrix, which is a grimoire, right? The watcher is 
the one that watches over your body while your astral self is running around in the astral realm doing astral shenanigans or whatever it is you do. Right. So again, this concept, they've literally done, they've done the math chance. The, the math is they've done the Wikipedia game and the game is you only use the hyperlinks on the pages of Wikipedia to connect one concept to the other. And the homunculus concept, depending on if you're on the top 50 or top 100 topics, it's three degrees of separation from any major topic. Somebody's ran the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you, bro. I'm not even making that up. Somebody ran the numbers and it's three degrees, three to four degrees of separation from the, any major topic you have your pick. And and that's the thing when people tell me, oh, what's your obsession? I go, it's not my obsession is in the realm of the, the stuff that I'm researching. I have concepts that's maybe it's not a homunculus 100 percent like, oh, that's but the concept behind it is very homunculi. If you if you want to if you whatever word you want to use, it's very homunculus like very homunculus esque. And dude, I've even linked it to Rene Descartes. And there's a book from from 1694 that we stumbled across. Probably one of my one of my favorite, if not yeah, probably my favorite episode that I've ever done in the history of podcasting has been that episode. And it was I dubbed it the Cartesian homunculus where and and I've seen this in other movies where Rene Descartes apparently had stumbled across one of his greatest discoveries. And he says this in the mainstream media, in the mainstream history that he he through his through a series of dreams. He came up with the the greatest achievement, the greatest science that that any man could ever achieve. And the mainstream media says that's the Cartesian coordinate system, which serves as a sort of manifestation device in, in a kind of sort of way, right? With the platonic solids, et cetera, et cetera. That's a whole other episode. But he uh, apparently had this concoction and he had this little box. Now, the the guy who wrote the book. Right. It's the first book ever to use outer space in the sci fi sense of the word outer space. 1694, the very first time that the word outer space has ever been used. And so he has this little box and supposedly we rented a cart. You know, sniffs that that powder up into his self and is able to project his consciousness out into outer space. Okay. And they're able to go to different worlds, like a like a library of Alexandria, but with all the greatest philosophers, they have they all have their own worlds out in this outer space area. Right. This place through the use of this psychedelic or whatever it is. I don't we don't know what it was like. What? Like Mormons? What? They they have a concept like that? Mormons like their whole thing, as far as I understand, is that if you, you know, do everything right, you get your own planet that you get to be the Jesus of. Really? Well, kind of, I mean, yeah, there you go. Kind of sort of this is written in the 1694, so sort of late 17th century. But the idea of uh, so, the, you know, Aristotle has it has had his own uh, Descartes had his own. There's a whole bunch of figures and it was figures that had uh, craters on the moon named after them. Right. And when we, we did the Jack Whiteside Parsons and he has a crater on the dark side of the moon. Right. All the greatest minds have a crater on the moon. And it was that's people. interesting because the mm-hmm. word crater comes from the idea of like a, a mixing vessel for ritual. Yes. So think of th- this mythology that the moon holds the souls of people. Well, what if it quite literally does? And there's a reason we lost the technology to go there. Oh, OK. Why well, you start to think outside the box. So while your consciousness is projected outside of your body, 
there's a little Cartesian homunculus that comes and sits down in the pass in, in the driver's seat of your body and it does the bare minimum for you. It'll brush your teeth. It'll eat for you. It'll pr- go to work for you, whatever. Very robotic like. But there's one flaw of this little homunculus. Okay. That you can't have a deep conversation with it or else it'll malfunction. Okay. So don't have a deep conversation with it because it, and it makes you think of people in this reality who are kind of on autopilot because part of the, part of the lure as well is that if you project your consciousness out there and you try to go back into your body, the homunculus sometimes doesn't want to leave. The homunculus says, no, no, no. This is my body now. Good luck. So your consciousness stays stuck outside of your body. And the little homunculus stays using your, your vessel, essentially your vessel for. So uh, what long. about people that get back in their body? Do they remember where they went? Do they? Yeah. Like, I haven't heard of this really before, other than in some accounts of like African shaman stories where there was some talk of a city under the ocean that you had to go to in an astral form, but it was like an actual physical place. And that the, uh, the person who was accounting this was given the instruction that there was a, an angelic type entity or some, you know, non-physical being was going to come watch his body for him while he went on this journey. <laughs> and he was just sort of being guided through it. So like, I've heard of, I've heard of something like this before a placeholder, mm-hmm. if you will. Didn't realize that this kind of fits into the uh, the story of the homunculus, but yeah, yeah, and, and that was something that we stumbled across, right? And the the description that they give is very homunculus like, and when you really start to go down, I mean, the the idea of a shaman, right? Sometimes shamans they shape shift, right, in order to interact with things in those realms. I mean, so it wouldn't be out of the possibility of again they had to do certain things to access that reality. Or maybe turn into a fish or turn into whatever, because that's the way I've seen sometimes. Or I've heard of shapeshifting being that they put their consciousness in an animal that physically exists and they're not changing their body, but they're changing their radio, so to speak, and going into an animal and basically controlling it, which that's another part of this homunculus talk that is a a huge can of worms to open. But I think I want to back us up to some more, you know, preliminary stuff because they're going straight into the deep end but that's <laughs> yeah, another part of this uh, conversation is that the the alchemical research on the homunculus seems to be leading to a, a finish line of the transference of one's consciousness into a new body vessel possibly Altered one carbon, that yeah. you grew from scratch which would maybe help with the moral question of taking someone else's body or maybe not. Maybe it's still immoral. I don't, I don't know. Makes me think of the X-Men, how Professor Xavier at one point, his body gets uh, destroyed, but he is psychically powerful enough to remain coherent. And he goes into the body of a dude in the hospital in a like permanent coma and gets a new body that way. So, you know, this idea floats around. But I want to, um, you know, and if you have more thoughts, you want to... <laughs> flesh out on what we've been on so far go for it but i want you to work your way towards you know introducing this topic of spontaneous generation and how that phenomenon you know how that phenomenon is maybe even something for us that could be a starting point for our own observation or experimentation into 
that like life maybe does come out of the ether, so to speak, or that when the condition, cause this has become my understanding is that when the conditions are, are correct, life will appear and generate that fits the niche of those conditions in that environment. Yes. And that we, our perceptions are limited in a sense that we maybe aren't really catching it in the act or if we're ignoring what we're seeing when it happens. <laughs> but you know, just the other day, my, uh, my parents had, a bunch of gnats in their house and it was because they left some potatoes in a, in a cabinet, but it's not like they came in through the window or the door or something. It was like they were, they generated inside of that cabinet and, you know, science will give you some material explanation, but there's, I think way more to it than that. And, you know, I've had lots of conversations with people that have been demonstrating in their own way, like you know, thermophilic microbes generating in, compost and soil that's otherwise sterilized. And uh, so this is something we can actually, as a starting point, maybe uh, do ourselves or observe ourselves. Yeah. So you had some inner interdimensional gnats, it seems like, bro, uh, they, they appeared from the ether. <laughs> they came. So the idea of preformationism, which is what they believe back then. And it's linked to Aristotelian biology, which really Aristotelian biology lasted well into the 18th century. So it didn't really undergo any changes until just recently. I mean, you know, 18th century is fairly recent. And what they essentially believed was, and this is before the microscope and through observation, that's why I'm going to say it, bro. I'm going to say it. That's why I can't get behind the flat earth movement because it's solely based on observation. It's based on, oh, the sun is not, it doesn't look that far away. Well, it wasn't long ago that these men thought that there were little men, little homunculus inside the sperm, like literally crouched up like in the sperm. And then when they were presented the correct conditions, they sprouted out and a little miniature version of yourself was in your sperm that just happened to grow. Like, you know, those things that as a kid you put in water and it would grow. Well, that's what they thought. So through observation, you know, they thought that you produced the lice because he, oh, he's like, oh, I'm looking at this dude's head. Oh, the lice are coming out of his head, bro. You're the inside of your body's too moist. You're producing the lice, dude. It's like, no, that's not what's happening. Right. They left a piece of meat out. They would come back. Oh, look, there's maggots on it and there's flies. The meat produced the fly it rotted and it produced like no that's what you're observing we know that's not it so that's why i can't get behind certain things that are that are solely based on some dude in his basement running the numbers and calculating it and observing it because ever heard of Rene Descartes? cogito ergo sum i think therefore i am he believed that his senses could be tricked therefore he couldn't trust his senses now, with I'll, that said, I'll go with you insofar as I think everything is mental. Literally, it's all in our mind. It could. Yeah. And so our preconceived notions could have an influence on what we observe. Um, and I I just take the earth shape agnostic point that, <laughs> you know, me the too, because what you just said, the same applies to most people's conceptualization of a globe that it's, you know, and even most people's conceptualization of like astrology is more calculations than than a based on someone else's observations, you know? And, and it triggers people, right? There's somebody in my, in my, in my chat right now triggered. Like, oh, it's, it, I'm, again, not I'm not watching your chat. I, I can't. I'm not saying <laughs> it's a globe, but I'm also not saying it's flat. I'm like, how you said it's whatever 
if if they prove it to me at one point in time, whatever, cool. It's, it is what I it is. That Tolkien had it both ways in his uh, Lord of the Rings cosmology. What is it that it's hollow? That it was flat and then it became spherical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's again, pretty interesting. My favorite is the hollow earth. So that, that's, that's where I stand. I mean, you know, we know that's a thing, but uh, so the idea of a purely obs- observing something, that's what they, that's what they believe. So spontaneous generation was a plus B equals C. So you get a, whatever it is, you mix it with B and boom, instantaneously you have the product, the end game, whatever. And then they had asexual generation, which was, or I'm sorry, sexual generation, which was obviously male, female equals little baby. And that was, that was the problem that they were like, listen, if, if man can create life, what else can he do? Right? So the, the term physician and magician back then were one and the same. Um, a physician back then was de-occulting the occulted aspects of nature, right? So you have natural magic, whatever God presented to you in this re- Christian magic, whatever God presented to you in this realm, in this reality, you could use as long as you didn't employ as long as you didn't play the help of other worldly entities, so such as demons, et cetera, as long as you didn't use any, in any theatrical way, and you just simply use what God put on this ground and gave to you, if you're just mixing stuff up and something happens, Hey, you know, it's free game. So that's what they believed. And, and when they were like, wait, what happens, you know, if man is powerful enough to create life, the body, well, what, it, what else is it, is it hiding? And therefore, I think that's where that idea of the micro and the macro comes out. Because if you understand the macro, you can kind of sort of understand the, ma- the, the if you, I'm sorry, if you understand the micro, you can understand the macro, the bigger picture. So that's why, again, internal in, alchemy. In theory. In theory. Exactly. In theory. So internal alchemy became a whole thing where the, the Chinese, they, they believe that it, their entire, like we are the philosopher's stone. We are the alchemical lab. We are the only animal that can take the raw, unfiltered thing and turn it into gold, which is the art that we're creating right now. You know, right now as podcasters, we're taking this this information and we're turning it into something that people can digest. You know, instead of spending hours and hours and days and days reading this this material, we're giving you the the gold. This is the the knowledge is the gold, right? And that's why again the 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 fruit, the forbidden fruit, gave Eve what? The knowledge of good and evil. And so, um, again, it's just this concept of they really were just watching and observing what was happening. They believed that the hen was warming up the egg and therefore it rotted. And that was what gave life to the little chick. The, the right, putrefaction. putrefaction. Yes. <laughs> Okay. And again, you have the whole rising from the ashes, the phoenix, and all these different concepts. So they Let me were put another one out there to add to the weave that what I found fascinating in going over this material was the con- concept that plants and herbs were essentially talismans of stellar energy. I think that that's pretty cool. We've been doing a series on Vibrant where we cover the astro herbalism doctrine of signatures that demonstrate 
things that you can know about a plant based on correspondences with the Zodiac that it demonstrates visually or in its scent or its structure or what have you. So the idea that plants in an as above, so below sense are talismans or repositories of stell or mirrors to certain particular stellar energies. I think that that was probably once that was observed a step in the direction of other forms of talismanic magic, getting more and more complex that you would be able to micro other large things, including like a human body, you know, the, the homunculus, the tiny man in a jar being a being that that's actually a type of talisman. I found that really interesting. Yeah. So essentially I'm going to just give a quick definition of what a homunculus is. So homunculus, the actual term itself means a little man in Latin. Now the homunculus that we've been presented with, that we all are very familiar with is the voodoo doll, right? The simulacra of a man, of a person. Okay. So it has nothing to do with voodoo actually, but that's what we've been shown in all these movies and cartoons where they take the doll and they put the pin through it and the other person feels it right in a sympathetic, magical way. Right. So that's, that's a form of a homunculus. So made through wax, straw, whatever you name it. And you sympathetically attach it to the person or whatever. Dude, I've been using homunculus with clients and I didn't even know it. When I do tunings for people remotely, I have a table with crystals and candles laid out in the formation of a human body. And I work with that as if they were the, if it as if that was the person Mm. on the other end of the call. Yeah. I didn't know it, but I've been into homunculus magic already. (laughs) Yeah. And and so again, it's, it works. It's in our area, in our realm, but not until you identify it. Because the the cool one, right? The cool one that everyone knows on the the one that people enjoy hearing about is the alchemical homunculus, which the term homunculus didn't come into existence until the 16th century with Paracelsus, which Paracelsus is the, the father of modern day toxicology. He's contributed a whole bunch of things to modern day surgery. So this was a guy who wasn't just some regular Joe Schmo guy, although he was very eccentric. He was a very interesting individual. And if you read his, it's the book by Philip Ball. It's called The Devil's Doctor. It's a great book that really breaks down the life of Paracelsus in a very entertaining way. And his his life, and he was at the forefront of mineralogy as well, by the way. So so mining back then was a real big thing. And he was at the forefront of that as well. And so he was the one that came up with the term homunculus. And he was the one that presented the first actual recipe to create a homunculus. Now, there were other concepts before that that predate Paracelsus that aren't called homunculus. They're only, they're called, I've seen it called the form. I've seen it called, in some instances, uh, I believe it was the boy, I think is what they called it. I've seen it, right? Rational animal, irrational animal. Uh, What else have I seen it called? I've seen it called various different things, but not the homunculus. That wasn't until the 16th century. But we can term those proto-homunculi, right? You know, Anthroparion was one of the first ones in the uh, Zosimos, which is one of the first alchemists. He called it an Anthroparion, and Carl Jung even wrote about that too. So this concept, it goes back Simon Magus. Simon Magus boasted about a homunculus that he had created. Okay. And Mag- Simon Magus is the reason that we have the word magician. I mean, 
you know, with the father of all heresies. And he, he actually thought I have it pulled up here. He boasted about a Simon Magus was said to have boasted of his own homunculus made out of air, that his creative power was not just like, but the same as, and indeed greater than God's for he had created a man out of air, which quote, which was a thing more difficult than creating him of earth, unquote. So you have the father of all heresies, right? Was he in first, second century, whatever century he was in, talking about also having a homunculus, not made out of earth, but made out of air. And, right, allegedly, and again, I stumbled across some other things where uh, the, how Faust is connected to Simon and the homunculus in the the Faustian legend is related to right the the man that supposedly is comes forth from the gospel. Again, I don't have a lot on that, but just an interesting take on that. It was a it was an inversion or perversion of that, right? So again, we have the father of all heresies talking about this stuff. And like I said, I've come across it, but just different ways. And yeah, that's pretty much the actual homunculus. Now, it being a talisman, that's where it gets interesting because that's where you get into the ethics of it. I don't know if you've watched Full Metal Alchemist. Have you seen that anime yet? I've never watched it. No. Oh, man. It's one of my favorite. Anyways, I mean, that's real heavy. Any Japanese anime really is like heavy occult. They like love Western occultism. They go hard. I mean, they, yeah, so, they do in games too. JRPGs. Yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. Watch that. And point being that the, the alchemical homunculus, the, the reasoning behind that is to give its creator godlike powers. But there's a catch to that because in order for you to extract the power, you need to sacrifice the little homunculus. Now, they really got creative with this aspect of it. And we could probably leave it for the second hour. We're on Rockfin and I can give you the, the nitty gritty details on some of the, some of the texts that I have stumbled across. And it's funny because we translated for that 10 hour documentary on the homunculus. We actually translated various texts. Now, the way we were able to do that was we would put it in and they wrote a script for it to be able to extract the handwriting and OCR. It. And then we took that translation and we put it into chat GPT and it translated it. Right. And I was able to secure a copy of the Liber Vacay, which is a grimoire from, it was from 1401. And I found it in a medical journal of the time. And it's funny because that's the way they would do it. They would occult it within this medical journal, a legitimate medical journal. And they would slip it right into the towards the back in a little section, about 20 something pages or so. The Liber Vacae for everyone. This is by supposedly by Plato. Pseudo Plato. Yeah. Pseudo Plato. <laughs> and, and, and so the, the College the, of Alexandria was all about Plato, though. I think there's probably been multiple authors given the t- like the name Plato that it might just be a title. And this is something mm. we can talk about when we get into possible the possibility of Jesus and other saviors being uh, homunculi of sorts. 
Yeah, the, the the chapter in my book for that particularly is called Artificial Prophets is what I call them. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that they're all homunculus, but if you apply the Paracelsian constraints <laughs> or parameters, they fall under the homunculus category. So again, if you're looking for it, but in the in the whole thing with Jesus, they were there were actual church people arguing about the possibility. But it's not something that I came up with. No, 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 no. There were actual people of the church arguing and writing entire tomes of books as to why he couldn't have been or could have been a homunculus. So, again, this is not something I made up. That's from the 15th century. Sacrificing the homunculus, man. That's what the savior story is about. So in order to extract the, the magical essence, you need to snuff out the light, if you will, of that little creation. And then you do stuff with its components and you extract whatever essence from right then they, then it gets into galen physiology where it's like you know the soul resides in your spleen or you know the eyes hold whatever etc so they gave each and every single body part some magical attribute and they were piggybacking off of that so if i make a concoction from its tongue i can speak to demonic entities. If I make a concoction with its eyes, I can see them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it goes down the line. Yo, and just in the news last week or this week, just a few days ago, I heard this, the, uh, the morgue at the Harvard university you saw that. had a guy selling body parts, on, getting paid on PayPal, selling brains and heads and stuff, 10,000, 20,000, $30,000 a pop on these body parts higher price tag because they came from such a prestigious morgue but you know makes someone wonder what are they doing with these body parts it's probably similar type of ritual and that the appeal of artificially growing body parts through the homunculi would be to sort of sidestep some of the moral questions of and quandaries of using human remains in these type of weird occult rituals but Mm -hmm. yeah and then this is going on right now as we speak it's getting talked about out in the open as you alluded to this human cloning thing where they're talking like what i was reading about they were not cloning artificially creating artificially creating without even like synthetically creating without even like a human egg or sperm to begin with as a starting point artificially creating something that grows into a placenta essentially. So they're making placentas without babies, without wombs. And Mm -hmm. now, now we're really into something uh, potentially potent and, you know, where this also ties into people's everyday lives would be the homunculus that you trade your placenta for at birth, (laughs) which is your birth certificated person, your artificial person. It's literally what your all caps name, your identity register with the government is called an artificial person. <laughs> you yes. know? So yeah. it's a corporate person or corpus. So mm-hmm. th- right there, this concept of magic and ritual relating to an artificial man is right in plain sight as part of everybody's lives that is in any way attached to the system or has a social security number or a birth certificate, et cetera. Yeah. And and then again, where are the ethics there? Because again, it goes back to the, 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 the plot of Fulmeda Alchemist, the plot of the Arnaldian homunculus, which predated the Paracelsius homunculus in the 15th century, where it was this guy who would create these homunculus. And as soon as he created them, he would smash them. Boom. 
gone. And the people are like, why are you doing that? He goes, no, 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 no. I don't know if God is going to possess it with a demonic spirit or if God even died for the sins of that thing. So I'm just creating it because, again, I'm an alchemist and I just want to do it because it's cool, right? Probably. Right? But as soon as it came to life, he would just smash the bottle and the homunculus would die off. So what is the point even of of doing that? And not only that, but let's take it. OK, so we have the meat and bones, right? Let's say that you give up your stem cells and they create this simulacra of you. Is it you? Will it have a soul? What is a soul? Because then then we get into that whole thing of what is consciousness? What is the soul? And I think that's what the the uncanny valley, right? Whenever they make something on TV or like the CGI or whatever, you can always tell it's off because of something, a movement, right? Uh, movements of humans is very fluid, very whatever. And whenever you see some like the, the whole skinwalker thing, like when they see them, they, they're never perfect. They're always like limping or doing some weird stuff like that kind of thing where it's trying to simulate emulate man but it can't quite get there it looks like it but then it's kind of you know like the guy in in men in black the was he a bug the one that liked the sugar the farmer you know what i'm talking about was he like taken over by something Honestly, it's been so long since I've seen Men in Black, but I do remember a guy who was like a little miniature alien inside of a yeah. robot suit of a human. Yeah, that was yeah a we thing. can. That's the Cartesian theater. That's an actual thing. But the idea of again trying to uh, simulate or emulate the human soul, I think that's where we fall short. I think that's where God comes in and is able to really give that divine spark in us, if you will. And so. Yeah, the, the, where was I going with that? The idea of like, what is the point? So that's the meat and bones homunculus, right? Let's say we voluntarily give up our organic matter for them to make us a replacement. Let's say it'll be for spare parts, right? If chances, heart starts to go bad or whatever, God forbid, you know, you, you'll have one spare there in the old tool shed. Oh yeah, I gave it to whatever, an insert major corporation here and they made my copy, right? Amazon delivered it, Prime, Next Day, Air, whatever. And I have my own little homunculus. Now, think about it. What if we've already been assigned a homunculus, but not a meat and bones one, right? And this gets into the realm of AI and, and the cybernetics and all that stuff. By us giving our information to all these corporations, right? Voluntarily, we're giving our information to them. Everything we do, all our movements, all our thing, everything. Well, what have they been constructing a homunculus behind the scenes with all that information that we give to them anyways, right? That is, okay, not biologically attached to you, but in a sympathetic, magical way attached to you. And I'm drawing a blank on the name of the corporate of the of the place where they're running a real life simulation of reality itself. I don't know if you know the name of it. Well, they're they're running a real life simulation of reality itself in a computer. Think of that as a sort of virtual voodoo doll, if you will. Right? How you mentioned earlier when you when you do your tuning stuff, you assign that person that simulacra for that time being well what if where has all of our information who were they selling our information to that they've been fined numerous times for where is our information going who is feeding off of that information oh they're just we're giving it to corporations for you know uh targeted ads hmm sure what if it's more sinister than that 
What if it goes deeper than that? You know what I mean? One time I met these uh, allegedly high-ranking orders of the Golden Dawn at a, a magic convention festival thing outdoor festival and they <laughs> the tried to one of one of them not not like the card game <laughs> like uh, witchy people right i was there just trying to sell and by the way it's synthetic environment for analysis and simulation at the purdue university so c's s-e-a-s i'm sorry continue c's weird mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's thanks for putting that on my radar so i i met these golden dawn folks they claimed to be high ranking members. They were giving talks at this event. And one of them uh, tried to convince me that she'd seen me before and that she thought I was a clone or that I had a clone out there or multiple clones. And I was like, you know, as she unfolded this story, I thought this sounds like just some bullshit that is, you know, a pitch to try to get me to join their club, (laughs) you know, like freak me out a bit and string me along with, this uh this crazy story and maybe I'll join their club and you know pay dues or something. But what what she ends up saying is that uh there are underground cities where there are clones of people that actually exist and are currently alive where they're like repeatedly running crazy simulations like zombie apocalypses in underground cities, fully artificially lit and everything. The people involved, they like wake up, they've had in- memories implanted, they're like homunculus clones and uh they're having all this traumatic stuff done to them as an experiment to see how it will affect the original person up on the surface. Have you ever heard of shit like that? Like, I don't know that I believe even any of that at all, but <laughs> now that we're having this conversation, I'm like revisiting that experience of being told all that. And I'm like, what the, I don't know. So Purdue's university synthetic environment for analysis and simulation sees is currently being used by Homeland Security and the U.S. Defense Department to simulate crises on U.S. mainland. But apparently they're running right. The sentient world simulation is the name given to the current version of, of making sentient world simulation. The sentient world simulation. It's continuously running, continually updated mirror model of the real world that can be used to predict and evaluate future events and courses of actions. <sighs> Okay, so now if holy shit, yeah, yeah, yeah hold on, hold on, the soundboard. Hold on, I got you, I got you, bro, I got you, I got you. Uh, well, Illuminati. First confirmed. of all, that one, and then, oh man, okay. What the fuck? There we go. All right. So, with that said, I mean, I wouldn't put. Let's say that if people who would go into the into these realms, these altered states of consciousness, other places, et cetera, et cetera, alternate dimensions, what if they maybe collided with your occult double or your doppelganger or your little homunculus that was made by the information in which you fed to these corporations? Which again, a corporation is an artificially created persons to begin with. So your homunculus is feeding another homunculus and therefore they're able from that information extract and put you in here. Now, what ends up happening? I've heard, I'm not going to say it on this hour. I'll say it on the next hour, but I've heard stuff of, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mask it. Uh, People who provide certain services for your well-being have certain models of sympathetic magic in a sort of way where they're able to predict when your next when the next thing to your health will, will happen. 
right? So the people who I mean, give astrology you, is that type of modeling in and of itself, medical astrology, right? The co- the coverages people purchase, right? Let's just put it that way. They they know yeah, exactly you don't what to say they, that word. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> once they rule the world, the true rulers. <laughs> yeah. So again, uh, we can't say anything on YouTube anymore. But point being that they have, I've I've heard it from people who were in the realm. They're like, yeah, they have models that they run specifically on you. And when they give you that call, like, hey, it's your next checkup. It's because they know that something's about to go down with your, you know, because something happened to their little home to listen. There's just something like, oh, oh, OK, uh, let's give him a call and <laughs> see if he's feeling OK. And in the background, they're sympathetically, magically messing with your occult double, whatever he is, therefore causing that headache that you've had for the last 72 hours or that erection you've had for the last 72 hours, right? Whatever, whichever way you want to put it, you got to go in to get checked. And therefore they extract more of this uh, monopoly money from you from that. So again, if, if, you know, I think that reality, right? The the truth is stranger than fiction. And I think we live in a sci-fi world and all these things are coming out, right? I think we hit the hundred homunculus because that once we hit that, all these other things started to pop up in the radar. Like, wait a minute, are people now just tuning into this homunculus phenomenon? Because even Crowley wrote about it and they took that. And I believe they're using a version of that in, you know, MK ultra and all these different programs that we hear about. So, well, man, if this is a created realm, which to me, there's plenty of evidence that it is, you know, that it's pretty obvious how everything fits together, even on a psychic uh, level, the synchronicity and things, it, it clearly, there's like one mind guiding all the other moving parts, right? To me. And again, with the, the question of the nature of the realm, well, one of the problems with the globe would be you can't have gas pressure without containment, put it simply, doesn't work. So in a different model of the realm, you could actually conceptualize with a firmament that this place is some kind of larger scale alchemical flask or jar. <laughs> and then the question becomes, you know, you're, you were talking about the corporations feeding other corporations. It's homunculus is all linked together in one big network. Is it homunculi all the way down? Is everything, is everything created in a sense through this principle, this process. And I think that's like the real root or the real good, uh, good thing to get out of this research is that, and why maybe the ancient alchemists were so invested in it is because they're trying to figure out the mystery of mysteries. What is the process of creation? What are the steps and the order of it? How can we apply that to everything that we might want to manifest or invoke into reality? You know, cause if you get the math right, so to speak, if you get the divine harmony, the ma'at, everything in the proper order of operations, you can make seemingly anything happen exactly the way God would have done it or exactly the way Mm. this mind that is the guiding principle and ordering principle uh, unfolds things. So, right, the watchers are watching the divine alchemist at work, right, the creator, the Godhead, whoever. And I do think, I think that, I do think that there is a God. I do believe there is a force that runs everything that is right. 
right running the cosmic 3d printer he's somebody pulling the levers and pressing the buttons and knowing (laughs) there's an ordering principle things find order in like on their own you know yeah i mean again i believe in god at the end of the day and i think that there is something there and and that was the thing with the alchemist right so my whole thing is that the magnum opus that they were truly achieving for right gold was a byproduct it wasn't the gold that they were after. It was just something that happened. But the artificial creation of life was the true magnum opus. Because in alchemy, there are various magnum opus. There is the, right, the philosopher's stone, the elixir of life. You have the uh, divine androgen. And then you have, right, the, the, the homunculus is, is one of them too. And I think that the true thing that they were looking for, for was the homunculus. Because what why have the elixir of life when you can have this little magical being that you can then take apart and use that to extend your life or x magical activity right and it'll also prophesize to you have a little buddy with you all the time you know he can help you out you have somebody to talk to i mean that's the best creation ever (laughs) you know what i mean so and what i love about alchemy is that also the interdimensional aspect of it, of when they did achieve, right, the turning of lead into gold, the light from that reaction would transform them very, you know, all the way down to their DNA would transform them. And they were able to step outside of reality and leave this existence if they wanted to and manipulate reality from the outside. And I mean, it makes you think of I, I believe this is how they use the technology to I don't think that immortality is what they've painted for us in the mainstream. I think immortality works a different sort of way. And maybe it's not like ultra carbon or might get to that point. You can, you can Google right now, Jeff Bezos looking for the elixir of life. I mean, the elites are well aware that they want to live forever. You had that one guy as of recently who just was in the news too, right? Taking the blood and plasma from his son and injecting into his own stuff. And then his dad was also taking some of that blood. Like what, what are you yeah, doing? And the, the way the news spun, it was like, look how cool this is. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a, like a zombie. You know, he so looks his like son a- <laughs> is literally his homunculus. That was the other question I wanted to ask you about, uh, as a father yourself, you know, do you think your children are, uh, a type of homunculi do you think that their <laughs> existence in some way is like a container or a vessel for your spiritual power or potency uh Topher told me this to gardener the other day he was like every in costa rica they have a saying that every child brings a bag bag of gold you know and in I, what they mean by that is i think what i've observed in reality is organisms the, what they need to survive and thrive will always be in the environment that the organism is in. That's what I, when I talk about the ordering principle of the cosmos, that that's part of it. The ecosystems have this natural equilibrium to them where whatever is in that environment, it all balances out and what is needed for each part will be there to all work itself out into equilibrium. So, you know, when you became a dad, when you had your own little homunculi, little wands, <laughs> did, did you notice that, you know, how, how was that in terms of the resources needed? Like, did, did you feel like there was some kind of magical pull that 
assist you in the providing for of children? Did you think that, mm. you know, all of a sudden you got some kind of like level up in terms of your spiritual magnetism to manifest and generate? So not until you witness it for yourself, the feeling you get when you first look at your little homunculus, right? And I'm not saying all kids are homunculus. <laughs> Topher just texted but, me. <laughs> <laughs> when I said his name, that's weird. Shout out to Topher, yeah. So the the feeling you get when you first see your son or daughter or whatever it is, I have two sons. Uh, it's a feeling that you can't quite put your finger on. You can't describe it. It's indescribable. And I think that's what, Again, I've been told that the answer to all the mysteries is love, right? Like love, the love that you feel for that little creation. Now, it's indescribable, so I can't put it into words, but is there a connection that you feel? Absolutely. I mean, all the time I see him running around, I see myself in them. I mean, in both of them. And I, I'll sometimes whisper to myself very quietly, you came out of my balls. Right. Like at one point in time, if you, how, how wild is that concept? And that's what they were thinking back then too. Like, Oh my goodness, I created this little person with a whole different soul, with a whole different personality and all these different things. He came out of me, obviously, right? Ladies, we love you. You guys are part of the alchemical process. hundred percent. Maybe like a more the, like kind of a big deal. Ladies are a big, a big deal. Right. <laughs> but again, as a father, that's, that's the way I look at it. But when you are there and you look at the little thing, it's in, it's a feeling that you can't quite describe, but is there a connection? Absolutely. I mean, you're going to feel that connection. And I think that's what, uh, again, people have to other, you know, occultists that actually practice. And they're like, yeah, the, the one thing we're looking for is love. And I go, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's what, is that what do what that will was on? Love under whatever, whatever it is they say, love under will or love under law or something, whatever the saying is that the, that Crowley says, right? And well, in the uh, second hour, we're going to talk about the Jesus as homunculus idea. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things about the protagonist or fanes or whatever version of the savior and what, from whatever era, Mithras, what have you, is that as the mediator between the masculine and feminine God and goddess, the third, the third party of the Trinity, if you will, the third part of the Godhead, this savior is always boiled down to, in my opinion, Eros. That's actually one of the names of it was Eros. And Eros is the erotic attraction, but also the love, the divine spark between the poles of the masculine and feminine generative power. So in a way, what you're describing, you know, that's symbolized in the mythos that the savior is literally love. God is love. Even <laughs> yad heh vav or the Tetragrammaton could even transliterate into a way that looked like you were saying, writing the word love, which I find fascinating. And it uh, looks like a little man, too, if you put it on, one on top of the other, the symbols. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it forms a little person, quite literally, yeah. like the letters. So anyway, uh Let's uh, let's make our way towards the second hour because we're going to talk more about that. We've got I want to talk about the <laughs> possibility of spiritual AI, you know, that what has been done on the technological scale it, hugely right now. And, you know, this reality simulation thing, maybe it's not that new. Maybe this is just a culmination of some very long running projects. And 
And we'll talk about bees and bulls probably <laughs> as yeah, well. People, got, Maybe a little people more are triggered okay. right now because I'm taking more credit than what's due. Uh, no, I'm just, you asked me a question and I answered it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked that question, you know, I haven't, I haven't said this to the crowd yet, but I was extra curious because I've got a kid on the way. So congratulations to the beans. Everybody knows. And um, so that's why he was like, asking me about fatherhood. And I was, and I wanted insane. to know if I was going to get some gold out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know people, the internet is a weird place. Like you can literally say anything to trigger people in whichever way that's part of alchemy too, right? Like the manipulation of symbols and ideas and things. And it's got to ban people more quickly and without, I don't care. Like I don't over on my chat, everyone's just super chill. Chill. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost two hundred people. You can't. You can't really. Make <laughs> no, it gets. Can't a make everybody freaking happy. But again, congratulations, Chance, and that's why you were asking me about that. For those wondering, I'm not just ranting about how I'm the sole creator of my kids. No, no, I'm just. I uh, was trying to shed a little your, bit of light I, on the experience. Your balls. Yeah, specifically my sack. Exactly. So. <laughs> All right. Well, dude, uh, drop some drop some more promo on us and, you know, anything else you want to tease projects coming up. Uh, let's make our way towards the other side. Homunculus owner's manual, of course, that's huge. Got to get that tracked. Yeah, Homunculus. So, so TJOJP dot com. And uh, you can catch me on there. Uh, I got the Occultist Monday. You'll see that on there. I got the comic books. I got all that good stuff. Make sure to watch for that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go into the second hour. If anyone, where can they find that? You want to post a link for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have uh, about three minutes of some music intermission for us. You know, take a bathroom break, whatever. I'll post the link in the live chats. Uh, let me shoot that to you in the private chat so you can put it in your yours. Because I don't yeah. think I can actually talk into your stream. But yeah, we're going to be on Rockfin. Juan, if you want to post this to your paywall afterwards is totally cool yeah would love to get more people watching it so join us over on the other side my patreon is also available for uh, in the you know after this is over it's not live streaming to patreon but i will put it up there asap thank you gen x rated on rockfin for the super chat if more of you guys want to become subscribers or super chat me to you know help me fund the baby give <laughs> put a few coins in that baby bag of gold definitely appreciate it and yeah i'm very super excited about it obviously i got the greatest woman in the universe making my baby <laughs> and i got a lot of support great family extended family so it's going to be a fun journey very very excited looking forward to that we're about two months into the process Congrats, and bro. yeah okay so musical intermission everyone check out the one-on-one -on -one podcast it is one of the greats and just getting better all the time. Thanks for hanging out with us. See you on the other side, dude. Gotta keep you with some <laughs> 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 <laughs>